Welcome to Talk Cosmos, the show where Sue Rose Minahan and guests unveil astrology's ancient archetypes that continually build the collective experiences in our unconsciousness. Get ready to find your free will from your roots in the stars. Sue Rose Minahan, and tonight is August 3rd, 2019, and the show repeats on Thursday, August 8th at 6 o'clock in the morning, and that's Pacific Time. Tonight's subject is in the Leo archetype, and we'll be talking on the subject of the Leo New Moon, which was just a few days ago on July 31st, and in the Seattle area, PT time, it was at 8.12 in the evening. And interestingly, when I looked up the definition of a new moon so I could expand on that idea, it's when you can't see the moon because it's setting with the sun. It happens to be at 8.12, which is in this part of the region of the Northwest, when the sun is setting. And if it were visible, which is during an eclipse, of course, the corona, it sits right directly in front of the sun. And because of the, the, the relationship of the distance, amazingly, which is a 108 number, if you Google sun, moon, 108, amazing factors come up that show all these patterns of, of distances that all come to 108. However, for tonight, this stellium, a stellium basically is when there are three planets in the same sign. And for this new moon, there were five. The sun and the moon, of course, along with Venus and Mars. And interestingly, Vesta, which is an asteroid. Vesta was discovered in 1806 by a German scientist. And she was the third to be discovered. And in the ancient pre-Hellenistic mythology, uh, Juno, which was Hera, which we will in this conversation go back and forth so that if just hopefully that'll register Hera, the Greek, Juno, the Roman, they kept the same uh, myth, uh, gods and goddesses, but just uh, changed the names. So she was the third as I was saying, with the asteroid discovery, which is another little insight how to dis understand things or these physical properties. Uh, Hera was the third goddess to be born in the, the, the genealogy, you could say, of mythology. There was first a fire goddess, and then there was Demetra, uh, Ceres, also called the earth goddess, and then there was Hera. So there is... A lot to be learned about this subject in so many ways. So tonight, uh, yes, uh, we, because there's so many factors, but we, I will look forward to discussing this with my guest tonight, who is Amanda Pierce, and she's from Seattle. She's located right here and does astrology, an electric form of astrology with her energy work, meditation, writing, editing, and consultations. In fact, she has a forthcoming empowerment-based, she's a meditation teacher, empowerment-based meditation teacher, which will relate strongly with perhaps some of the significance of what we're talking about, how to 
reach deeper within yourselves, and that'll be coming up oh, later in the fall, and she can discuss that. And her purpose of this eclectic style astrology energy magic is a soul-centered process. She has a BA in psychology and other factors where she's been on our local board for the Washington State Astrological Association and the last great United Astrology Conference in 2018 as a volunteer coordinator. So hello, Amanda. It's great to have you back. You know, you've been on two other occasions, and I meant to throw that out, and I will right now. If you go back to June 23, 2018, in August, I think it was the 4th, uh, there's two other archives, but today is another one. So hi again. (laughs) Hi, Sue. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk about Juno and the new moon. It really is significant. This chart gives such promise to really bring Juno up. You know, she's looking into this. I think we're both pretty excited to find out some really great features about her, other than some of the legacy that's been defined through patriarchy. Yeah, and and not only does she show up prominently in the new moon chart, but also in the full moon chart. So it's it's uh, the new moon being the seeding point or where new energy is coming in and the full moon being that um, the kind of full representation of, of how it's flowed. and Yeah, how the climax yeah. continues. I'm so glad you brought that up. It's really essential for a new moon and for our audience to recognize that every month we have one and it's this receding, as you say, the new beginning. And here she sits and looking at when... I read the initial definition, it's commitment. You know, she was the queen of, I mean, she was forced in marriage as a mythology to Zeus. Neither one of them really wanted a marriage. It was for yeah, convenience. It's, it's not the, the prettiest relationship picture <laughs> no. when you look at it. It's pretty, um, it's a, it was a pretty challenging relationship. Um, and Zeus ended up tricking Hera and appearing to her as a cuckoo bird, and then uh, raping her. Yes. It, oftentimes, Zeus, the, the great, because remembering, always when I read about a, uh, mythology, it's really learning the language. They had perhaps a greater conceptual ideas of these things, and they could only translate it through these simple stories. So for us, it becomes sort of melodramatic, but really it has great depth. Because the birds really represented, I was glad to see, that spiritual evolution. And so she adored Mm. that. And, of course, he, as king of the gods, could represent that. And so then when she was stroking and loving this bird, of course, she becomes infatuated with him. But perhaps unconsciously, right? Because there's evolution with it. And then out of the shame, decides to marry him. Shame and obligation. And that was the beginning of their relationship. So... And then there was a, a kind of a lovey-dovey magical period for a short time, uh, and then everything kind of hit the fan again. Well, it's, because he had a lot of other uh, 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 children to produce that she wasn't possibly the energy to produce them with. <laughs> you know, that's one way to look at it. <laughs> yeah, she she withheld from Zeus, and he went around and philandered with every other goddess and mortal 
he could find. Which was perhaps, yes. And, you know, we get judgmental, and there has been a lot of judgment about Hera. She has looked at this in a cartoon fashion, which originally, I'm saying two things here at once, and I will complete that by saying that really in pre-Hellenistic mythology, which she comes from, you know, this ancient, ancient sense before the northern tribes came in and brought Zeus that they had to somehow coordinate. Uh, oh boy, what was it? It was a little distracting here. I was saying a couple of things, and uh, boy. Well, me. I love that you brought up the, the fact that Hera was around before the Greek mythology. It's not like this myth started in Greece. Yes. It was... Really, when the, um, let me see if I can pronounce this correctly, the Achaean tribe from the north of Greece came in and um, conquered the local people where Hera was their goddess and a very strong goddess, that they ended up having to incorporate Hera into their own mythology so that... Yeah, people wouldn't give her up. Yeah, they people had wouldn't to. give her up. So they had to find a way to kind of merge her in. And marriage was very convenient. And she was she was incredibly self-sufficient. She had no consort at all in this um, originally. And then she was kind of forced into this marriage. And even in the Greek mythology, it's not a pleasant union for either. And so that really represents how the um, the conquering tribe and the um, the local tribes kind of ex- coexisted. And it's so fascinating to me to see this energy evolve at this moment because I'm beginning to really see as we study further and further with astrology, as all astrologers see and as hopefully those people that are learning realize it is these cycles and these moments of connection, of evolution, of little plateaus. So here we have this great union in Leo, which is that eternal light coming to us where we can manifest and evolve that we have a chance to really because in this chart uh, they're conjunct which means exactly the same in this case exactly the same degree Mars who Hera actually birthed Mars it was as though she took that uh, uh, forceful direction, which we all have and is represented by Mars and and burst it, saying, here, you know, we have our direction. Yeah, so so Hera was Hera and Mars are conjunct in the new moon chart. And so that means their energies are kind of merged together. Yes, nineteen degrees Leo. Yeah. Which and that and when you're looking at Juno in a chart it's generally with any of the asteroid goddesses it's generally not the um, driving force within a chart but it's it will usually if it's prominent it will usually reflect or provide additional information that supports the themes of the chart well researching this a little I was immediately it comes up that it's commitment and marriage. I mean, in this whole mythology that we're understanding, she was loyal beyond everything with her marriage. And of course, having the shadow side, I think that's what I wanted to bring up was that she was, the, the stories force her into this shadow side, which does in life 
also become an energy, but there's so much uh, attachment to that, whereas originally she is one of great wisdom, and well, I won't say wisdom, but there, there's many other generous attributes. Yeah, she was considered very strong, very powerful, very generous. Yeah, woman's individuality. Yeah. That's how Patricia Monaghan says it, yes, in her book, The Goddesses, a great resource. But if she was so loyal, which she was, which I think in an earlier conversation, because we've hashed this out a bit, that um, it, that was her downfall. This loyalty was brought right. to an extreme uh, manipulation. Well, she, she placed that loyalty, she valued it so much, she placed it above her own uh, self-happiness and her own health, really. I mean, to continue on in this awful relationship that she was aligned to, that, that really, uh, by, and I was thinking about this, in other words, her main focus became supporting this marriage rather than supporting her own. And I suppose in all energies that try to unify, there is a, a compromise that sometimes doesn't fit for either one. But now we're at this time where we can begin to recognize when you were saying, I'm tying this into where you were saying that it's in the chart, because when I brought it up, it said that if one doesn't look at Juno, which is relatively new in our astrology interpretations, one doesn't really understand what it takes to have a soulmate. Yeah. So and you're speaking of um, of someone's own birth chart when yes. you're looking. Yeah. Natalite. Because you can look at Venus, you can look at Mars and those Definitely provide information, but they're not going to provide the whole picture. No. And as it was saying, because Venus is what we are attracted to, and Mars is certainly that direction and the sexual conquest of, you know, looking at just a marriage relationship. But then depending on where your chart is with your natal Juno, it could be in any area. Like mine's in my 10th house. Yeah. So looking at how are you married to your career? In any way. Well, I just, I've always yearned to be married to a career. And interestingly with, and I've tried before. I mean, there were, I, I love the artistic um, pursuits. So I tried art and um, needed more education and other things. Music came along. So I really worked at music for a long time. I'm so glad for it. But that didn't, and you can just become consumed night, day. It doesn't matter. Don't sleep. Just do it. But now it's astrology. And so weaving that into life has been quite a course. But then, of course, we have other relationships, too. So it, you know. It's yeah. Like, and Juno in the in the your birth chart is, it's a sign of um, what your ideal marriage partner is and who you're willing to commit with. So you look at your chart, compare it to another's that you're romantically interested in, then often you... Or maybe not often, but um, you might get some insights into if there's a Juno connection, especially if it's between like your personal planets, person A's Juno, person B's Sun, Moon, Venus, Mars. It is quite a, a process, I think. And that's where the astrological consultations can really come in because then a person can talk with the other person and really find out how they perceive things because how a person's consciousness is really uh, contributes towards where they see 
that archetype, you know, the sign that anything is in, be it Juno, where it gets support, where it, it can speak properly. Yeah, and it's also due to the nature of the the mythology, it's where Juno is placed in our chart, There's there can also be a tendency to feel in, insecure in relationships um, or could represent what we consider deal-breaking forms of abuse in relationships. Totally, and yeah. that comes from all this mythology. So really it makes me realize not to judge the horror of, of, of poor old Juno because this one online thing I looked at, she's, oh, it was a book. It was with Patricia Monaghan's book that, that Juno's the only goddess that has been made into this demon on TV and et cetera. There was some past uh, program right. I wasn't aware of. But yet life is like that. We are human and we're evolving. Well, well and it's so common in the in Greek mythology for the woman to be kind of uh, maligned. So this is excellent. Thank you. For us to consciously, as a universal, global energy, right? I mean, we all possess this at the moment we're born because that's a thumbprint from the moment and transiting or whatever. So at this moment, transiting, we have these energies that are aligned and recognizing that we can change these stories. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And if you see Juno in your chart, it does not mean that it's going to be this horrible, malicious relationship. <laughs> there's there's a higher potential. And we just need to kind of shift our thinking. It's uh, it's just been so much in our, our psyche um, in this world that women have been disempowered. There has to be one over the other of... of, of don't, Dom, um, dominion of dominion uh, power. This brings up a recent uh, event that I saw in the New York Times. They have a briefing, and it was just as of a few days ago. And it was the caption was "Mobility for Saudi Arabia Women," and it said, "This is August second, actually, that women now in Saudi Arabia are permitted or are." Well, they no longer need permission from a male relative. They can now obtain passports for travel and for work. Fantastic. I love that. And I love how that ties in with the, the new moon chart as well. Because Juno, if you're looking at a, um, an event chart, like a new moon chart, Juno can often represent the powerless. And here it is conjunct Mars. And Mars brings a lot of energy. And it's it's kind of ushering in this new seeded period for Saudi Arabian women. It is very representational and significant as a, a clear uh, result that's happening. And for all of us, it's just because we all possess every element, the masculine and the feminine within, and we're constantly raising our consciousness as to what does it mean to be a whole person person with these energies in us so by looking at some of the inherited and right now our nodes are that means the lunar nodes for people that are wondering and their points but it is a uh, we're midstream it's an 18 month period and we're about nine months 10 months involved where we've come from the capricorn structural traditional rules just to generalize 
put that out to to evolving towards a, a emotional, compassionate, nurturing. Uh, thank you, a Cancerian attitude. And so, it means like, and you brought this up that we're really clearing the family baggage. You might say, yeah. all of us, and this yeah. helps. Cancer, Capricorn are both um, family signs. They represent the midheaven and the IC in the chart, which is your family lineage. And so with the nodes there um, during this period, we're, we're all all kind of family patterning is coming up. The coming past up. and yeah. the distant past. I'm just shocked. I think yeah. of past because you look at the calendar. Oh, maybe it was maybe last year somehow. No, we're talking centuries, thousands of years, maybe millenniums in some ways. It keeps resurfacing. And, and this has taken big, big root. When you think about this, This we were trying to figure out time-wise when it was, but definitely uh, several thousand B.C. Uh, what was several thousand B.C.? Well, when this energy towards changing the, oh. the, the concept of, of, of the mythology, because that's how people, people live with nature. They live within the world, and they tried to understand it, and relate and so they had their ways of worship and then when people were more mobile and moving around you had to reconnect and and share which wasn't as we know always an easy factor so uh, i'm just saying that right now with our emphasis on the moon and the sun you could not moon and the sun uh cancer and capricorn which are really the moon and saturn we might say because those rule it that it goes way far, far back. Yeah, and and sometimes in our families, in our current day families, we've inherited generations worth of patterns that you know they just they're subtly there. We have no idea how to clear them, but yeah. they're up. They're up for us. And with Pluto and Saturn conjunct the South Node, there's just going to be a lot of like a lot of heavy stuff that can come up. Well, this is a perfect time to ask you exactly about this class because I've known you for a long time. You've studied it. You're now an instructor. And it seems like if any, all of us, since we're all handling these intense emotions and family patterns, to find our own empowerment, whether it's through our Juno, you know, this energy of our legacy and Leo, how to manifest ourselves. How does this empowerment, how does that help, and when will it be? Well, I will be teaching um, somewhere between, between October and November this year, and really it's about kind of moving through your patterning, that stuff that's blocking you um, that you just don't know how to, to work through. And so it's using meditation and it's using energetic practices to kind of shift that so, and kind of bring it to light so that it's there. So it's hard to it's hard to clear things if you can't see them. I really like that. And what a perfect timing right now because that's what Leo is, is the sun. It's shining light on everything, just bringing this up. And I think so that if whoever's listening, if you're interested, because this is an in-person class, it'll be right here in Seattle. And uh, if you go on to talkcosmos.com, all of our guests are right there, but Amanda Pierce is there, and you have your email 
that people I do. Can yes, if you're interested, you. if you have questions, um, please reach out. I'm happy to discuss. Because it brings up just the factor that there's so many actions that we can do right now in that chart, the new moon chart. Jupiter, the planet of expansion and of our belief structures, the benevolent, which happens to be with this mythology, the king of gods that's married to Juno, is conjunct. That means, uh, no, trine. That means it's a, a flowing energy. Flowing and, supportive energy. And it's with, let's see, which where is, where is uh, he conjunct well, to? Well, it's oh, trining. to Mars. Yeah, it's and trining Juno. Mars and Juno. Yeah, so and he's even, helping out. And even the, the sun, moon, really, if you're looking at it. Yes. Um, yeah, so so it's it's also the the um, Saudi Arabian freedom that women are getting now. Yeah, it's a beautiful representation of that, where this beneficial energy is coming in to kind of support the feminine. And, and the it's all fire. It's fire energy. It really wants the continual. And just to remind people, it's not that these energies make us do anything. It's often it's so easy to talk in such a way that that could be misconstrued. They're just a climate, you might say, of energy that depending on how we are and what we need, we can pull into. Because if you take a sunny day, some people want to go swimming and some people want to just read a book outside because the light is good. You know, there's many ways to interpret life. We're going to take a brief announcement and just remind you that this is Talk Cosmos and my guest is Amanda Pierce from Seattle, and we're talking on August 3rd, repeated on August 8th, about the Leo New Moon that occurred on July 31st at 8.12 p.m. and with this great stellium in Leo. And we'll be right back. Thank you. take a break from this week's edition of Talk Cosmos, let's take a look at this cycle's archetype. We are currently in the Yang period of Leo, ruled by the solar sun, having departed from a cycle based on the internal process of emotional attachments requiring security and safety. The energy of Leo externally manifests our legacy through children and artistic creations. As a fixed Yang fire sign that desires to ignite actualization, Leo the Lion takes the risk to generously exhibit love and welcome all to share their stage with joyous pleasure for living life. Hello, this is Dr. Judy Zafrir. I'm a holistic psychiatrist in the Boston area and an evolutionary astrologer. And you're listening to Talk Cosmos on Alternative Talk, 1150 a.m., where we discuss the meaningfulness of our roots in the stars. Alternative Talk 1150, online at 1150kknw.com. Hello, hello again. This is Talk Cosmos, July 3, repeating August. Oh, August. Thank you, Amanda. Amanda <laughs> Pears, August 8th. And just to say, too, that for those people that we're now on iTunes Podcast 1, you can subscribe, so do check that out. It's really exciting as we continue to venture. 
So, and you can find all this information, well, ideally on talkcosmos.com. So we are talking about this new moon, July 31st, happening at 8.12 p.m. And we were going to bring up some other factors that are very pertinent. Yeah, so we talked about Juno conjunct Mars. And I just want to touch on that a little bit more, that when you look at Mars, often that is considered a malefic. It's considered a bad sign. But if you are looking to kind of um, embrace the the magic of Mars, then you're going to look at it as kind of the high, its highest potential is really being self-first. Yeah, good. Because yes. it breaks away and it is on that experience of becoming. Yes. And Juno wasn't really... It, per the, the Greek myth, was not very self-first. You know, she kind of sacrificed herself a lot and sacrificed herself to the marriage and her husband and, and the commitment. Um, Redefined that way, yes. Yeah. Through the marriage. Yeah. And so here's an opportunity where Mars is bringing a lot of energy to have us look at our Juno relationships. And Juno doesn't have to represent... Um, romantic relationships. It can also be any one-on-one relationship that we have uh, where there's some type of um, commitment or bond going on. Beautiful points. And it reminds me of um, alliances. And that was brought to my attention, a wonderful new way of looking at Juno because there's the a woman, um, well-known woman, Colette, Baron Reed, she's a, a, a medium, a mystic, a, a, a TV, I mean, she has, um, with Hay House, many oracle cards. And I happen to have her goddess power oracle cards, and she has a book. And on it, she brought, it, the essence of it was to redefine these wonderful goddesses on current terms. And alliance is what she kept bringing up and uh, and it's so pertinent because if Hera being the queen of the gods married to the king of the gods had power and it was in that alliance that as we have indicated earlier wasn't always to her best her sense of loyalty was betrayed and that and and alienated and that brings up the shadow side but by aligning with Mars, which is that energetic becoming, which happened to be one of her children that she birthed, which is so wonderful. It's like yeah. reconnecting, ali- al- bringing in the alliance of herself. And reconnecting with her own masculine, really. Oh, yes. Yeah, and not... Um, Masculinity. Yeah, and and not projecting that out and thinking that it it's all within the other. That's so wonderful. Projection is something I've learned through astrology, mostly that we, we, I say, because we're all human, can easily do because we don't see it in ourselves. And we, but to see it, we see it outside of ourselves. And Juno is represented by the. It's re- represented by two signs, Libra and Scorpio. And Libra is very much associated with projection. So, Juno is often a. Uh, an area where we can project in relationships. And because I might defend for, well, 
course, Mars is defending, right? But with Libra, it is the other. It is the seventh house. It naturally is concerned with the other, and therefore it can often get carried away and think it's all about the other rather than how oneself is in relationship with yeah. the other. So, yes, that's good to bring up that factor again back home on this chart that the uh, Juno uh, is at the same degree of Mars, our action. Our, so how is our marriage and how is our commitment and to what values, which again in that chart, I believe that the sun and the moon, which is eight degrees, uh, Leo, is being squared by Uranus, which happens to be in Taurus, and Uranus is that um, disruptor that wants these, brings on suddenness, but wants us to be authentic. What's the real vision? Yeah, it wants us to release that which is not working for us. So it's a it's a point of a, a, where we can break free mm, from freedom. what yeah from what's been holding us back. And so, like Sue said, Uranus is squaring the Moon and the Sun, but it's also squaring Venus because Venus is right there with the Sun and Moon. So it's it's being it's a in a very prominent position in this chart, which is then tying in Juno because Venus is, again, relationships. And when we speak of square, that is, there's a lot of math when it comes to astrology. So the deeper you want to get involved, it, and it can be very simplified, but just because if you don't know, it is an uh, aspect, we call them aspects of tension. It's 90 degrees, there's 360 in the, you know, circle of the zodiac, of the horoscope. So this is a, 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 with there's tension, I often think of it like if it's a square of a corner, the water's rushing in and it's got to go somewhere. It's got to get resolved. Yeah. And so this is, this being a new moon, this is kind of a seed period and Uranus squaring it, it's, could, there could potentially be shakeups. Yes. And sudden ones and yeah. epiphanies, like you had said earlier. I love that yeah. word. Yeah. And it being a, with the, the new moon in Leo, um, it's a very subjective sign. So sometimes it's um, hard to... Which is the subjective sign? Leo. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Okay. I had to get... Thank you. I'm on target. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so sometimes it's hard to um, see beyond the trees, I guess. Well, it is picture. about yourself. And it is that time in life. The sun is, which rules, as we say, are the influencing force of Leo gives total generous support and it's for our own manifestation. It manifests everything. So it is a time where we need to be very self-directed. You know, how you decide to finally offer that is, you know, it's very generous and often with Leo it gives to others, but what you're, it makes sense that it should be yeah, concerned it, and Leo is, um, it's very heart-centered. So it's like, if this, if something's not really um, coming from the heart for you, then that may be what needs to go. Oh, yes, that's beautiful. That's absolutely ideal. It is definitely, it rules the heart. You yeah. Know, it's the and royal star, Regulus up there. Yeah, and so, and, star. and so the sun, moon, and, and Venus are all together. So this could be something relationship based. Again, doesn't have to be romantic relationship. Um, 
And then Juno and Mars are together in the same sign, a little, you know, it's about 11 degrees away. Uh, And so that's just another flavor to what this relationship stuff is that's coming up. And it could be really affecting each other because when you're talking about a union of the sun and the moon, in some, well, 10, 11 degrees, some even say 15, you know? So it's like, yes, it's in the ballpark. It's It's one big Leo stellium. (laughs) It is. We are shining. Yeah. It is so true. And then there's some other, there's so many more subtle things connected to that force of Mars and Juno that are at the same degree of 19 degrees. uh, For instance, palace that are subtle and, and and that they, they can help like the wisdom of Pallas Athena, another asteroid that's a connector force. Well, what's nice about Pallas too, is that she was very, self-sufficient and she joined pretty much the boys club now she was born from zeus's head Mm -hmm. so this is a fascinating new way of uniting these forces in more of a in a fresh way because both zeus and juno or jupiter and hera i mean i'm mixing up the greek and the the roman but they're when you get familiar they're all there both birthed without, essentially, in a sense, without a mate mm-hmm. through their own essence. Of course, Jupiter, she, he swallowed his wife <laughs> as a fly you know, because he demoted her. and She was willing to do that, which really shows that in some ways that didn't work, did it? The first wife didn't work for Jupiter because she just allowed herself to get so small into a fly that he could swallow her. And she was pregnant at the time. And so he let out this woman of wisdom. I did not know Yeah, I just love the mythology. I keep going deeper and it keeps reconnecting. And yet here he's forced into this other marriage with this great goddess that was now, you know, how are they going to coordinate this sense of loyalty when his purpose obviously was not to really be married because he had, you know, he produced a lot of, if you look at mythology, so many other great uh, uh, energies. I mean, there's a not to go into it, but there's this one with Io, who 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 births. Um, oh my goodness, it goes it deep. We won't. We'll just part. He had a folks. lot of children. He did, <laughs> and and they all had purposes, you know. And yep. so there is when you think about it, we all are manifesting through the energy of the of the spiritual purpose. You know, coordinating within us our purpose right yeah absolutely and so in mythology yes yeah one of the other connections to juno mars in the chart is a quincunx from neptune oh now that's an oh a quincunx yes oh 72 degrees yeah of talent oh talent is that how you see just read interesting well it wasn't me i'm always trying to understand what is Say that again? Quincunx. Quincunx. I know that Rick Levine really understands this and gives great definition for it. But so I keep trying to find out, though, you know, it's not one that I've always searched for. 
but I have read that talent is our talent. Oh, that's interesting. I like that. Mm-hmm. I like to see the um, what are the what's the positive spin we can give to this so it's not all doom and gloom. Oh no, you know? exactly. There are yeah. things that you know when you think about. It, well, a lot of this is is that we have this polarity right now between the material and the spiritual. That's one way it's been looked at, and it keeps coming forth with things like we look at the definition of things like the squares that what's what's the form that that's that's abrasive that that needs to be resolved that's in astrology you know what makes action but there are talents and they're abstract yeah so your quincunx that yeah. you're talking about so and when i see a quincunx it's a it's a very unstable energy it's hard for the the flow of energy to really get into a groove it's kind of like being on a log in the water and trying to balance yourself now you're not talking about in conjunct this yeah. is quincunx. Oh, in conjunct or quincunx yeah same because no quincunx is 72 degrees and in conjunct is 150 right i am i'm pretty sure they're the same but we can look that up yeah i think quink because quink is Rick goes into it. It's five, and it's it's five times seventy-two is three hundred and sixty degrees. Okay. Well, we could call this an inconjunct. Okay. Um, we'll go to inconjunct. Yeah. Yes. And and that is different. That's like water and oil. Yep. Yeah. The the energy. So it's um, if you were looking at a chart, you would uh, say Mars is in Leo. You'd look immediately across for the oh, opposite yes. sign, which is Aquarius. And then go one sign over. Yes. Now we're talking yeah. in conjuncts. Yes. The yeah. classic one or yeah. 50 degrees. And so that's a um, that's a really challenging energy to kind of get a hold of. And with the in conjunct being Neptune, there's there's kind of a challenge to kind of stay out of the rose colored glasses, and um, there could be a, a there could be a potential for deception or oh, yes. positively there could be great inspiration coming through. If Yes, I like this. If one focuses on spirituality, which the Neptune represents our, the, the collective unconsciousness of the whole mystic world, um, or... That could happen because otherwise it can be delusion and illusion. Yeah, I mean, or nep- victimization. We often think of Neptune as being like a super foggy time, but ultimately it can provide ultimate clarity to us. So we need, oh, and this ties right back to Juno because Juno was often the victim. If yep. we need to eliminate that thinking of realizing that, okay, what are we aligned to? What are our alliances? What, what gives us that power of exchange, of commitment? And even in a relationship, a marriage, you know, there's new terms for it. There's freedoms and there's respect and dignity. Dignity is a big word that comes up with yeah. Era too. Yeah. So with Neptune, there can also be sacrifice. And mm. Juno is very familiar with sacrificing. Uh, so it's... Um, it's it's in a little bit of a challenging aspect to that Mars, which really wants you to kind of take charge and 
take care of yourself and be self first. Yeah. So looking at that, that uh, because Neptune also represents, because it's a cosmos in a sense, we don't have control. You know, we can't tell the sun to stop shining. You know, it's going to do its shining yeah. or, or rain or whatever. But it is, it does have some favorable uh, energetic energies to our mental, you know, the Mercury. So that, and Mercury just went direct in that chart, meaning that instead of reviewing things all the time, now it's, it's flowing a little easier. Yeah. So you may have, with a, a Mercury retrograde period, it's a, it's a period of going inward to kind of review and reflect on how you've been mentally processing things. So it kind of gives us a, a respite to take in the new energy um, and see how we need to refine things. So now it's, it's out of that retrograde period. It's moving forward. We've learned what we did during the retrograde period, and um, it's kind of time for a new thought process. Oh, I love it. So you brought up in the beginning, let's look at, well, before the full moon, because this is like the seed time. We're in the happening now, and we're progressively. But just two days before the full moon, which is on the 15th of the month, is going to be a, a significant yet not always discussed fact of Venus at the same degree of the sun. Now, this happens uh, periodically, and it, it's called the Venus star point. And... It's a whole nother cycle, but what's so important is it happens to be in Leo. This is a Leo Venus star point. So again, our great character is here. You know, Venus has moved up from being four degrees up into being, they're both aligned at, uh, is it 21? 21 degrees. 22. Oh, 22. And that's on the 13th of August, and that will be at 5.29 a.m., that specific time. So we won't go a huge amount into the Venus star point because we're going to talk about the full moon, but just to say there are really incremental energetic assistances because what a Venus star point does is that it's a significant backdrop for the next eight months until the following Venus star point, which will be in June. And at the moment, we're just finishing up Scorpio. And if you're wondering why these, well, it's because it's a five-point system. And it's there's wonderful astrologers. Ariel Gutman is one that really significantly look up her book. And then Adam Gainsburg is another. And then there's others uh, that, that bring this factor up. But it is something, too, where this energy of the Leo of us, the Venus star point, which is actually the queen of the earth and heavens, she changes into this uh, goddess. And energy. and Sue is, my understanding of the Venus star point shifting is there's a shift in the feminine energy. Is that right? Yes. A shift in, in how. Because it's Venus. Or it's a new phase. Well, it's both, and in and in this case, it's 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 our feminine femininity. You know, Venus is one of the feminine energies of what we attract and what we receive. A re in relationship energy. Yes, and of course, if we receive, we're also something's 
we're initiating to receive something, it's, it's, I think further and further we understand that they're, it's like creation itself. It's the masculine and the feminine. And we're redefining these. And so, yes, it is a new, totally new phase. But it's also of this, of Leo and of our feminine. So shifting into that Leo feminine energy. Yes, of, of, of attraction and of what we're valuing. Because Venus also has a lot to do with what we value. You know, it rules the second house of Taurus and it rules Libra. It gets quite involved, which... Again, I think for those people that are wondering, what are you talking about? Well, there are <laughs> many ways to learn. There's great books. There's great teachers. There's classes. There's wonderful things on site, too. Um, cafe astrology, for one. So, so really, with the new moon, we have a prominent Venus and a prominent Juno. And then two weeks later, we have the full moon. Right before that full moon happens is a new Venus star point. Yes, that comes days. into place. And then during the full moon, um, there's also a prominent Venus. So we're really in a, uh, a kind of a relationship month here and how we are looking at relationships, how we're valuing relationships, what it is that we need to feel fulfilled within relationships, how are we um, making sure that we have equal relationships, that there's equality within them and, and instead of, feeling disempowered within them. Yeah, and equal, not in the sense of actually a perfect balance, but both have the respect of the, their diverse strengths, of, of how they perfect. serve us. Yes, because I think maybe in the past, maybe that was a little bit of, of the problem way back with the Hellenistic times of trying to incorporate these two powerful energies was not recognizing that both could have their strength in in their own domain and not pre-described, but really how do we see it among ourselves? Yeah, The absolutely. freedom. Kind of like Saudi Arabia. People can work and they can travel. Yeah. How and what and where, well, that's their choice. Yippee. Yeah. An equal distribution of power. Yeah. So looking at the full moon, I know you were mentioning that this is very uh as a because at that point every month we have when the sun and the moon come together at the same degree called the new moon when you don't see the moon um, and then every month two weeks later there's a full moon when they're if you were looking at the sky they're opposite there's Earth, and on one side is uh, the, the uh, they, they set, rise and sun, set at different times. You know, they're uh, opposite. We're right in between the solar the sun system. and the moon. And, and mm -hmm. there are wonderful astrologers like Gemini Brett that are constantly reminding us of this visual form that was, this isn't just on paper. So yeah. anyway, so that's the full moon, and that's the culmination of what's happened with the seed time and how it's starting to Yeah, it's like the out. full expression of mm. that energy. And so with the new moon, we had so much Leo energy, very subjective. With the full moon, it's in Aquarius, and it's got a lot of objectivity. It's not in the mix of all of that Leo, and it's standing back, and it's going to have a little more clarity as to what um, has transcribed over the last couple weeks and again we've got venus 
right there with the sun, both at 22 degrees. So it's going to be... The heart moved right in, Leo. The heart, relationship-based. And the love. Yeah, absolutely. And then right between... So you've got... Okay, you've got the sun and Venus at 22 degrees. Mars is at 28 degrees, Very close. Leo. Very close. And right between... Oh, and Mars is on Regulus, the oh. fixed star. I mean, it's actually gone up to... I know this is a, a zero degrees uh, Virgo, but it is... And that's the same point that the great eclipse was on back in 2017. Oh, that's interesting. So yeah. that might be triggering some... Ooh, yes. Some things for people. Yeah, very big beginnings. Stuff that came up during the eclipse period. Yes. Yeah. But right between Venus and Mars is Juno, almost at the midpoint. So here we've got the the highest expression of Juno is the merging of the the male, masculine and feminine together. Um, And kind of finding that balance, finding that equal distribution of power between the two. And so this is a kind of a lovely sign of the, that potential right there. It is. It is finding further that, that reconnection with it. And, and I will say, let's see, there were a few things. I wanted to say f- for the audience, every month the full moon is in the opposite sign. There is this access, and there's really one access because there's strengths in both, and their shadow side can be as an antidote from the other side. Let me take a moment here just to say that next week on the 10th, Bear River will be returning. And he is from the Bay Area now. He moved from Seattle. And we will be continuing this general archetype of Leo and and that. And again, we are on iTunes Podcast One. You can listen to us. This is Talk Cosmos, but is now being wonderfully involved with you know podcast one and this is 1150 kknw so if you want to find out about us there's many different ways but also talkcosmos.com and we will repeat this on august 8th and tonight i am speaking on august 3rd with amanda pierce and to find out about herself and her class that's coming up in october something like that October, November. Oh, yes. In the fall, in the autumn. You can find me at amandamoonastrology at gmail.com and amandamoon.net. Very good. So we have a a brief, less than a minute here that we can tie up this wonderful thought. It just is like mythology. I'm learning. Like talk about the distant past between the nodes. Here it is. there, There is a reason why... To reconnect with languages of, of, of whole thought systems. Absolutely. And redefine our sense of what uh, relationship, meaning our Juno, that asteroid, thankfully now we even see it in the charts, has to do about commitment, that it's to ourself. You know, we, we, we have the choice. How are we going to make our alliances? Yeah, and, and to finish this off, um, about Juno, a mature Juno is diplomatic, it's tactful, it's cooperative, and it's mutually trusting. Oh, I love so you. So it's not all it's not all bad. Thank you. Yeah. 
Okay, everybody, be fabulous. You are. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Talk Cosmos, the show where Sue Rose Minahan and guests unveil astrology's ancient archetypes that continually build the collective experiences in our unconsciousness. Be sure to tune in next Saturday at 6 p.m. to continue finding your roots in the stars.